Thank you for joining us for Effective Heart Change, the podcast that will discuss how to apply faith principles to real-life situations. This is Effective Heart Change. We're here today for Effective Heart Change. Welcome, Dale. Thank you, sir. We uh, are uh, in the midst of another roller coaster ride on weather, so it's good to be inside. You know, that's almost every time that we, we talk. Oh, never. wait a minute. There were a few good days there. Oh, we are in Kansas. We are in Kansas. So today we're doing the step-by-step series, Spiritual Foundations. And the foundation that we're talking about today is ownership and integrity. I had to use two words on this one. Uh, throw two words together. Again, these layers, you can't really just take them and go, wow, here's layer one. Now we're ready for layer two. In fact, in the last hour, we tried to talk about ownership and integrity, and all we did is we went all the way back to safe, and then we talked about covering, and then we talked about belonging. And Well, that supports your, your whole thesis here that, that it's connected. It's a connected thing, and you have to have safe, first of all, to even go any further, but then they build on each other simultaneously, and then you revisit. So. Uh, I, I'm not surprised <laughs> that that we're having that. Where I tried to pick up and where I want to go is the previous layer, and the previous layer is genuine caring. And here's what I believe. I believe that a person can't really do ownership the way they need to until they start receiving honest feedback from others. And then it's not even just honest feedback. There's these filters we go through. And if you go back all the way back, you've got ego from the very beginning where I've got this egoistic filter that is like, well, I'm going to hear what I want to hear and see what I want to see. So until I actually start seeing other people more accurately, the last step, genuine caring, I probably can't even do real ownership and integrity. Interesting on the ego thing. Uh, If we think about it, we everyone would have to admit, yeah, I'm I'm more interested in me than I am in anybody else. But the actual operational part of that to me is is subconscious. We don't even think about thinking that we're the most important thing. It's just something that is reality to us, uh, and that that's a stumbling block. Narcissism has become this important topic all of a sudden, and narcissists obviously are so self-consumed, they can't see, they can't feel, they can't react to anything going on outside of them. So everything I do as a narcissist, if I'm dealing with you, it's all about me. It's all about what is good for my world, and I can't even see, I can't even respond to you at any significant level. Then you've also, if you want to go to the other end of the spectrum, you've got people pleasers or self-haters or people like that who their entire world is so completely consumed with the people around them that they can't see. They can't do this ownership piece. So it really doesn't matter if you're on one end of the spectrum or the other end of the spectrum. Ownership requires that I actually get an accurate view of who I am so that I can actually begin to move towards integrity, which is the second part of, of this layer. So how do we get in touch with that? How do we 
how how do I as an individual uh, get a, a a relatively honest picture of myself and develop an interest in someone else's self? That's why I paired it with the genuine caring piece. Because when I actually start seeing other people, there's a trust piece that happens. There's a compassion piece that happens. I start caring about other people. In that caring process, I believe, is where the hearing starts happening at a much greater level. So I'm now interacting with people at a more caring level, a more honest level. I'm looking at other people. I'm seeing other people. When I'm seeing their responses and I am responding to that, that becomes a mirror. That becomes something where I actually start seeing myself through the mirror of reflection that's going on around me. Well, before I hit genuine caring, I don't even do that. Everything's egoistic, so it's all a game, and I'm back and forth, and I'm not really seeing that reflection. But once I start into genuine caring, I'm much more likely to start seeing the genuine reflection. And I'm able to see, wow, what I just said hurt you. Well, it's not what I just said hurt you. It's like, oh, I have pieces in me that will lash out and hurt people. I need to be attentive to those pieces in me that potentially will lash out and hurt people. In the process of hearing someone for the first time uh, and that sense of, oh, that makes sense or, oh, I had no idea. Just that that reciprocal uh, operation that goes on in in conversation makes you more aware, and in being made more aware, you suddenly become uh, interested in what the other person has to say because you can have a sense that it has meaning to you, and 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 for for several reasons. One, it means something to them. At least you assume that 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 saying that they do. And the other is that it touches something in you that I, I like that. And, and so you become a better listener. What you're talking about, I put in the, in the area of value. So I tend to receive value from other people. Well, let's take that all the way back to the third layer, especially, but maybe even the first and the second. Those first three layers, we talk about getting a sense of self-worth. Other people valuing me is my ability to start feeling better about myself. But somewhere in here, this thing of value starts to shift to where my value becomes much more about what I'm giving away. It becomes more about the impact I'm having on other people. And I believe each one of us have a sense of mission. We have something inside of us that I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to be this. So my value then starts to be in how do other people respond to me? Because what's coming out of me? What impact am I having on others? In fact, the next layer that we'll talk about is actually called influencing. So I now I'm starting to, if I'm a mom, I'm starting to put value on myself according to how my children are responding to me. We all respond more like that than we understand to where our value that we assign to ourselves is there. Well, if I'm not caring for other people and it's all in this narcissistic zone, then I'm simply going to try to control the responses of the people around me. 
That's kind of a deep cliff I uh, jumped off from when you start talking about the value and the giving and the receiving and all the different stuff that's going on. Let's take a break, process what we've been talking about, and then we'll continue. In the last segment, I jumped off on this whole value thing, and this is kind of a personal belief system that goes back to Romans 3.23, which talks about all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I believe every one of us has this innate sense of, wow, I'm created to be this. I'm created to do this. And so as we're interacting with people, it's like we want assurance. We want assurance that Am I measuring up? Am I being who God created me to be? And early on in our life, it's okay as a child. I can just get positive feedback and I get to the creativity level and I'm the center of the universe and wow, I'm, I'm really cool and I can do great stuff and look at my artwork and we live there. But as time goes on, that starts to shift. And we need to have, hopefully, have developed a healthy self-image because there's going to be a point in time where our value is really needing feedback from other people, and it can be hard to get positive feedback from other people in our world. We've done this step-by-step process, and, and, and now I see this individual coming out of childhood, uh, and, and what strikes me is the audience changes. It grows. It's a bigger, it's a bigger group you're playing to. And, you, and so not only do you have more in your audience, uh, that there are more people that are, have the uh, possibility of influencing you. And so I think that that must be a big part of this process of me caring about what you might have to say and, and how you perceive me. Is that? Audience is a great, I'm, I'm glad you brought that. I, I'm glad that you went there because especially in our culture, what's happening to the audience? It's shifting now to my friends. It's shifting to my playmates or to my teacher or to different kinds of people. And you're absolutely right. And now I'm exposed to a whole bunch of other kids who are in the same zone and they're desperate for their sense of value. So now we're competing and we get all the smart statements going back and forth, or shall I say smart elec statements going back and forth, where there's a competition for value. And now I somehow have to stand out and I have to be the witty one or I have to be whatever. And value just ends up being a really big piece at this, at this point in development. And let's face it, as a child, I have a limited audience that is all about me, and and uh, that's why my thinking is all about me. And as you as you mentioned, as you start to school and do things like that, there are a lot of more people around. It's a bigger audience, but more competition. Oh, absolutely, and that's a key word. It's like we're all competing, and now my worth is dependent on me being better, me, you know, being unique, different, whatever. And you've got all this competition going on. And what does that do for that whole self-worth? So 
I'm looking at all of this and I get a really skewered view of life. And now I've got to be the funny one or I've got to be the bad kid or I've, I've got to do something unique to try to stand out. That happens a lot of the time. And I'm no longer in a stage where I'm really listening. I'm really connecting. I'm genuinely caring. You see, until I go through that genuinely caring stage, can I even hear people? And certainly, let's ask it a different way. Can I influence people in a way that I'm going to get positive feedback to where I have a healthy enough self-image to where I can actually kind of do this ownership thing? Because ownership is hard. I mean, which of us really wants to stare down some of the ugly stuff in our lives? <laughs> I don't think we ever get away from that, do we? Uh, the, uh, the whole process of self-worth and, and developing your, your sense of caring for other people and interaction, uh, we've, we, our retreat is to the to the oh man i'm i'm looking like a fool or that was really stupid and and we start bad mouthing ourselves and and that fights the process as well we tried to start this discussion in class and it kept retreating back to safe yeah safe yeah. safe why because it's almost impossible to have these interactions and and get real feedback that's positive and real and maybe negative if it needs to be negative it's very difficult to do that unless you have that foundation of safe. And so every time in class we started trying to talk about ownership and integrity, it went back to, well, safe, well, love, acceptance, belonging. It's so incredibly hard to do that. Maybe, just maybe, that's why as a culture we've jumped off into the pleasure end. We've said, you know what? This is just too hard. We're not going to do this. So we're going to make it all about me. And we're going to live in a pleasure culture instead of actually doing real ownership. And then we're surprised when, when our social situations are uncomfortable or even violent. And, and the, the responses are, are not measured. There, there's not, there's not an a even keel about anything. It's that all or nothing thing again that we, that I <laughs> seem to be hung upon uh, that uh, is is an outgrowth of of where we're saying that we're trying to develop a step. And the second part of this is integrity. If I'm really taking ownership, it's not just ownership. There's something I need to do about it. When we talk about sin, a lot of people have forgiveness down. Well, I'll go to God and I'll ask for forgiveness. Oh, I'll go to God again, and I'll ask for forgiveness. There's never a putting on. At some point, you've got to put on Christ. You've got to develop that other piece. So if I'm caught up in the pleasure world, and I'm living there, what happens? I never really deal with that extra piece of, of not only do I need ownership, I need integrity. I've got to do something about it, because if I don't do something about it, I can't really grow in this area. And the next layer, again, is going to be influencing. How can you have influence on anybody if you don't have integrity? This is a, this is a hard thing. Uh, you, you start talking about having integrity and, and how that is built, and that's the process that you're directing us through here. Uh, I keep thinking about 
well, that statement in itself. I keep thinking about what I'm thinking about what I'm thinking, and 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 that seems obvious. But in this process of opening up to to other people, uh, we have to be able to, at least in a moment, to set ourselves aside to consider what's being said and hearing and then re- the the reaction part of it is is the interesting part i there was a, a, a someone that made a comment in the class and i offered something and they received it as as a negative and and what i was saying was that uh, we see something through the eyes of someone else, and then we react by uh, taking it personally uh, when it's not intended that way. And that happens all the time. We, we construe what someone else is saying by the way we think, and, and you have to have some sort of sympathetic, empathetic connection, at least make the effort to really hear what's being said. And I think that's one of the difficulties in this area of, of growing and of opening up. Ownership and integrity, so much of it goes back to truth, receiving truth. Now, a verse that I pick up on that I, I repeat over and over again, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end of that way is death. Our instincts, we operate out of that self-centered zone. We operate out of that egoistic zone. So when I'm operating there, then I'm going to tend either towards narcissism, and I'm not even necessarily talking about the classic narcissist that is just totally dysfunctional, but I'm talking just basic narcissism, which is ego, which is a typical three-year-old, which the entire world revolves around the three-year-old. So I'm either going to tend towards narcissism or I'm going to tend towards self-hatred. And not very often do we actually do truth, which is we hear reality, we see reality. But when we try to speak truth to one another, if the foundational layers aren't in place, then we do what you talked about happened in class. We take it personally, and then we spin off into something else that is not true. And we react probably on the self-hatred end at that point, if we're taking it personally. Or maybe we do an attack thing of, well, this person doesn't mean anything to me anyway. And so we almost get into a personal attack mode in order to minimize the pain. Well, guess what? There is some pain involved. When you're dealing with truth and you're having to see your own selfishness, and you're having to die to self and walk through these things, there is actually some pain involved. <laughs> Unfortunately, I prefer you had the pain to, to <laughs> me having the pain. That, that's, I, I, that's a gut reaction, I think. Uh, and that's that egocentric part of us, uh, which uh, I'm always amazed. I, I catch myself and, and think, come on. You know, give give somebody a break. Listen to what they say and, and hear what's really in it. Yep. We're not very good at listening to one another. We'll talk about uh, where we've been, and then we'll be back in a moment. 
You mentioned before the break that you wanted to go, or during the break, you wanted to go to putting on Christ. What does that mean? Let me go back to the title for just a moment. It's called Ownership and Integrity. And what's interesting, I believe in this as a definition of grace, and a lot of times people don't do that. On grace, what do they do? They emphasize totally the forgiveness side, whereas in grace, there's also an empowerment side. The word charis, which is the root part of the word for grace, is also the root word for charisma, which is the spiritual gifts and the empowerment. So people are quick to believe for the forgiveness side, but they're not near as quick to believe for the integrity side, which is the putting on Christ. If over and over again, I'm preaching to you about stuff, and I'm, I'm being raw, I'm being open, I'm telling you, wow, these are my mistakes, I need to grow in these areas, etc., you know what? I respect that. I respect the openness, the honesty, the being raw, the being real, but five years later, if I'm still at exactly the same place, how much respect am I going to have for you? So, if sin is forgiven. Uh, we pray for forgiveness, and it's been forgiven, and, and so what we're acknowledging is our part. Uh, but if we refuse to change, uh, we can't live on the, on the, the process of being forgiven. We need to take on the character of Christ. Uh, because he is the one that made it possible. Is that? That's right. And it's both a presence choice and an action choice. And I'll define that in just a moment. If a person's in bitterness, how much of the presence of Christ can you put on if you're hanging on to bitterness? So somewhere in there, I've got to be willing to let go of my bitterness walk through that forgiveness process, and all of a sudden I begin to experience the peace of God, the joy of God, that makes me more real, more strong, more able to walk in Christ in a way that is integrity. Now, just because I'm experiencing the presence of Christ for a little bit doesn't do the choice part. I've still got to make the hard choices. I've got to follow through at an integrity level. And a lot of times what happens, people are willing to do the forgiveness part, but they're not willing to do the hard work of the rest of this. And so we talk about people being childish. Childish people are kind of blown around by the wind. They do whatever. Adults slash integrity, I've got consistency. I've got follow through. Truth is no longer something that I just am confronted with and I get forgiveness. That's all good. I'm, I'm good with that. But what about the other part, which is the integrity? That's the putting on Christ. Okay. I'm real good with that, too. <laughs> I, love, I love the fact that, that uh, my mess-ups uh, are forgiven, when I, and, and they're forgiven even before I ask, but ask is the first step. What What... What speaks to me in this is that if I continue, let's say I have a foul mouth, I, I tend to swear, and I tend to take God's name in vain, for instance, uh, and I ask for forgiveness in that, but I keep on doing it. Uh, is, that, is that the idea that, that I, I need to change, that, that the presence is taken care of, but the, 
the the onward motion uh, needs my attention. We talked in the in the group about how there are things that only God can do, and and but there are things that He won't do for us because it's our responsibility. That's that follow through. Is that uh, well, there's God's part. There's our part. Right now, let me ask it a different way. Have you really done ownership if you don't follow through with integrity? In other words, have I really owned my sin? Have I really owned my childishness? Have I really owned the fact that I need to grow up and put on Christ and become more effective? Let's say it's not even sin. Let's just say it's a skill that I need to grow into. I need to grow into conversation skills, or I need to become more of a servant or, or all kinds of different things. If I don't put on Christ, if I, d- I can hear it. I can hear you say, hey, you need to work on this area. Oh, yeah, I need to work on that area. You come back a week later. Hey, you need to work on this area. Yeah, I need to work on that area. Come back a week later. Hey, you need to work on this area. Yeah, I need to work on that area. When am I really taking ownership? Is my lip service that, yeah, I need to work on this area? Have I really taken ownership? And that's part of what I'm saying. You can't have ownership without integrity and clear, distinct efforts to follow through. Now, let's go back to previous layers. You may not have what you need to follow this thing through unless you're undercovering. So I'm receiving strength from the outside in a way that after I take ownership, I'm able to appropriate that strength in a way that I can actually take the next step. Are you talking accountability? I'm talking accountability. Okay. So a lot of times people try to do it by myself. God never created you to do it by yourself. First of all, he wants to partner with you, which should be happening after the forgiveness piece. I should be putting on the presence of Christ and growing in that. But he also never created us to walk apart from other people. We need other people if we're going to walk this thing out the way we're supposed to. So many times you get the ownership piece where a person's like, oh, yeah, I'm wrong. And so then they get the downcast look and I'm a miserable loser. Exactly. They go through all of that instead of understanding, yeah, I need to grow. I mean, just make it real simple or I need to take this step. And ask the question, then how do I go about that? How how do I get there? Where can I, I love this phrase, where can I draw strength? How do I draw strength from God? Because the sin nature has corrupted me. Romans chapter 8, sin nature, the flesh has made me weak to where I can't do this on my own. So how can I draw strength from God? How can I draw strength from godly people? That's how you move from just basic ownership, which is just like, okay, to real integrity, which is I'm moving to a better location. We're we're so used to solo act. Uh, it's all about me to start, and and we grow out of it, hopefully, but never really do. And so then we think, well, it's my problem. I've got to take care of it, and we're not willing to 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 first turn to God and then uh, engage others to help us because we're meant to deal with other people as well. And uh, yes, it's my problem, but I can't do it by myself. Yeah, God never designed you. He never designed me to walk alone. We are to walk in connection with him. We are to be strengthened by him. That was before the fall. If that was true before the fall, how much more do we need God today? 
And the same thing is true. He didn't design Adam to walk alone. Adam needed Eve, and then you have the children, and then you have all of that multiplication. We need one another. God says that we, as the body of Christ, are one. We need one another. And so often in this ownership and integrity, it's like, you know, it's the Lone Ranger tough guy of, I'll, I'll try to slog through. Good luck with that. And if you're successful, you'll be full of pride, and that's not what we want. So ownership and integrity is not just about you. It's about you stepping into the place God has for you, which we started this segment talking about being in Christ. Let's review where we've been, and then we'll continue. Perspective was one of my favorite topics. Uh, and I wrote a piece. I am the center of my perceptions. Mine is the unanimous point of view. Mine the acceptance and the rejections. Mine the fear, fear and the daring do. Mine the truth and the deceptions. Mine the sun and the gloom. Mine your features and your failures. Mine, the gods, and the devils too. I am the center of my perceptions. Mine is the unanimous point of view. So if some single soul can hurt me, mine's the hurt I make it too. So that that was a, a come-to-Jesus moment for me. Uh, it, it involved a lot of things, and it's continued to evolve. Uh, but it's one of the most... Uh, meaningful things that's ever happened in my life was to have the realization that that uh, in my egocentric world, my tendency is to look at somebody else and say, "You're the problem." It's it's a lot more convenient. It's you deal with it, and and uh, what God showed me and and continues to show me on a daily, moment-by-moment basis, is my perspective is a gift, but it's a tough gift, and, and it's tough love to realize that when I'm pointing my finger at someone else, uh, it's about what I'm making of the situation, not what they are. That single word, perspective, may be one of the most powerful words in all of this. If you go back to the first segment when I was talking about, you know, you start narcissism, you go to self-hatred, and we do these radical swings, where in that radical swing is truth? And how do I know what's there? In working with addicts, I find this over and over again. One of the most powerful things I can bring is perspective. And one of the most powerful things is what's called the pink cloud by a lot of people and then the wall. Most people tend to have three months of pink cloud where they, they get clean, they get sober, they get three months of things going well, and they're in that place where, okay, I've got this. Well, if they leave that place of covering, if they leave a person or people who are bringing perspective at that point, it's virtually assured that they're going down because they're getting ready to enter the wall. Well, we preach to people over and over again. You've got pink cloud, you've got wall. 
What are we trying to do? We're trying to give them perspective ahead of time. Another part of perspective, everybody wants to grow fast. I've got, it's taken me 30 years to create this mess. I've got to clean it up in the next 30 days. Well, you're going to fail. There's just no way around it. You have to take this thing one step at a time. There's preparation. That's a great word. And there's perspective. Uh, uh, being clear in your vision of where you really are. And that's a hard thing. I mean, we all are egocentric. But the effort can be made to change the, the perspective, to back off. To, um, I get that picture when I, when I find myself in a judgmental mood. I try to step back, and, and I think about it, and, and from time to time, I actually take the step back to, to make it real physically. That's the connection between the spiritual aspect and the physical aspect. I think there's a lot of value in that, and in that taking a step back, I'm willing to at least take a moment and consider the other point of view. You know, and, and God's not all bent out of shape about this either. I, I look back some 23 years ago now when I was writing my first book. If I hadn't been a little bit egocentric, I probably wouldn't have written that book. I didn't know what God was doing. I didn't know where it was going. But I had to have almost grand designs out there of, oh, wow, I'm writing this thing and it's going to make a difference, et cetera. And God's taken me through a huge process of pruning since that time, and I've continued to write, and it's, it's a big part of what I do and create new materials. That's who I am. That's what I do. I need to do that. If, if I don't do that, I'm not alive. If I don't do that, I'm not being who I am. But I have to admit, early on, the egocentric part of that was huge. Even starting this program, et cetera, you've got all of these things going back and forth. You've got to learn to take those things, get them submitted to God, obey God one step at a time, follow this thing through the way you're supposed to do it. That's hard for children, spiritual children to do, and it's been a very much a growing up process for me to do through the years. It is a process, and, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm reminded of the reminder that I've heard many times, God loves you just the way you are, but he doesn't want you to stay there. And, and that process of, of you realizing uh, that, that you weren't all that you thought you were at that time, that's a daily thing, is it not? That we, we find if we're, if we're open to the input of, of God and the people around us, we have the potential of realizing, oh, there's more in there. And, and I believe there's so much more that, that God has in store for us individually and as a, as a body, uh, his body. Uh, Perspective gives you signposts. And in a previous program, I talked about your pain in correction is proportional to your pride. I can look back to where w whenever I was corrected, I was wrong. It was just like a kick in the gut. And it was just like, oh, it was agonizing. Fast forward to today, I know that I've grown because I can handle correction at a much better level. So I've got some signposts there. So when I'm dealing with ownership and I'm dealing with integrity, it's not all or nothing. It's growth, growth, growth. If I could just get that word across, it's like, here's where I was yesterday. 
here's where I am today, except most of the time it's not like that. It's here's where I was a month ago or six months ago. The farther you get on the journey, the more spread out those signposts become. So now I've got to be able to look back three months or six months and I'm able to say, okay, I am growing. I am taking some steps. When I'm a new believer, when I've been in terrible dysfunction, man, I'm taking all kinds of steps really rapidly and it looks good and it feels good to the ego. Oh, look how I'm growing. And then all of a sudden when that growth slows down a little bit, now I'm just not okay with that. What's going wrong? It's not that the growth is changing or my integrity is changing. It's that it's not as much fun to my ego anymore. Another thing, when the process is, is in action, uh, we often feel like well, we, we shrivel up. Uh, I think that, that receding into ourselves uh, is one of the n- most negative things that we can do. And I, I've heard people in the class say, well, I don't have anything to offer because I'm, I'm working through this. Well, in the process of working through it, you have something to offer even, because uh, that's an experience that you're having that someone else might benefit from. Uh, you, don't, you don't judge what they need, but in asking or, or in offering, uh, you open the possibility of what's negative in you can be positive in someone else. The first step of egg. Integrity is just that ownership where I'm just being honest. I'm being real about where I am and where I need to go. So, yes, there are a lot of times when me just being open and being real actually moves this process along. The other part of what you were talking about is God's part and our part. There is a step we have to take. There is something very real. There's very, something very tangible we have to do. If you don't do it, if you don't follow through, there's no integrity. So me being real, being transparent about, wow, I tried this and I failed and I tried again and it's tough and I'm working with it. That's all okay. Honesty is a part of the integrity process. It's a part of the growth process. And that's what perspective does. It helps us know that I can what? Fail forward. I don't have to get it right the first time. I can kind of stumble. I can be a toddler it's okay to be a toddler and bounce around and fall around. Well, hopefully we have uh, given you some things to think about. This, again, as a step is just like interactive with other people. It's interactive with God. It's with yourself. And it's a step that you need to be doing the rest of your life, working on that ownership, working on that integrity so that you can keep growing It's a powerful part of our spiritual development. I hope you've learned and you're taking some of those steps because those steps will change your life. Video production, editing, and audio by Matthew. Set design and setup by Ashley. Content recorded live at Studio 101.1.